the first songs that I learned when I was, first became a Christian. It was certainly one of the very first. I hadn't realised it was written in 1935. I thought it was uh, much more modern than that, but apparently, according to this, it was a moody one originally. So. If you want to turn to your Bibles in, um, to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take stand against the, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I may be fit, will be fearless and make, will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in trained. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we come to your word that you would open it up to us, Father, and open up our hearts to you. Father, I know it's not my words that I speak, but it's your words that speak. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to each one of our hearts as we meditate upon these words about, um, about the armour of God, Father, and about where we are in you. Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see um, the riches of Christ and that where we stand in you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. C.S. Lewis once said, I don't know if anyone's ever read the screw tape letters. I read it many years ago and I have started reading it again. But um, in the preface he says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are pleased by both errors and they hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. And I think in our day, in the West in particular, we fall into the first era. We don't believe there's anything spiritual over and above what we see around us. And I think sometimes as Christians, functionally, although we know it, we forget that we are actually in a battle, that there is opposition, that we aren't we don't just, the world isn't a playground. I think it was A.W. Tozer who wrote a book, The World Isn't a Playground. It's a battleground. And that we are people who have been, who have, who have 
been brought out of darkness and we've been brought out of the power of, of, of Satan, but we've been brought into God's kingdom and there is still a battle that we, we have to fight. It's not that the battle hasn't been won because that was won by Jesus on the cross. There's a conflict between two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of, of, of God. And it starts in our minds and in our hearts. And, and we've been thinking about the wars and, and that sort of thing um, this morning. Um, and if you think about it, all wars start with a thought. They start with ideas. And that's the place where Satan, Satan, start, um, that's where Satan works. He works in the minds. And whether it's Nazism or communism or it's just greed or envy, the place where he starts is with our minds. You can't blame it all on him because what he does, he knows us so well that he finds the things that he can, he can trigger in us to get the response that he wants. He knows which buttons to press. And when you, when you think about war, you see how there's almost like a spirit of madness that comes along on people. It almost becomes inevitable that you're going to have a war. Um, something happens. There's something spiritual that happens. And most modern people have a job to even be able to explain the depth of evil. Um, there's no real explanation for it. Uh, except, I believe as Christians, we have one in that we believe that there is a spiritual warfare on. But as Christians, we've been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness. And although we were born into the kingdom of darkness, we've now been placed into the kingdom of, of God. And I've been... Actually, over the last week or so, I've, I, I've read Ephesians again and again and again um, because I know how easy it is to take a few verses from the end of a book and take it out of the context. And quite often with Paul, he starts by giving a lot of doctrine and then at the end he applies it to how we live. And if you, if you go straight to how we live and you miss the bit at the beginning, you, you miss an important part of it. So I've been sort of mulling over um, the whole of Ephesians, really, this last, this last few days. And Paul starts the whole of Ephesians with this wonderful vision of how God has, um, in Christ, he has brought both the Greeks, the Jews and the Gentiles together through Christ and made peace. In fact, we were going to sing, I think we might be singing one of those songs based on that scripture later on. And how... We were once in darkness, but in Christ we've been raised into the spiritual realms and to be seated with him in heavenly places. That once we were, we were sinners, but now we're saints. And all these things are themes that go throughout, the, 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 uh, throughout Ephesians. And then he comes to this last bit where he's talking about our need for um, standing uh, strong in, in God. And if you notice, the very first thing he says is be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So this battle isn't won through our strength or through our, our, our goodness or through our ability. It's won in the strength of, of God. He's the one who strengthens us. Ephesians 1 verse 8 to 20 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, his incomparable great power to us who believe. That power 
is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the, way, the, the one that's coming. That's the power that we're relying on, the power of God that raised Christ from the dead, that now has raised us out of our old selves into our new selves and has given us victory over the powers of darkness. In verse 11, it says, it, um, verse 11, it says, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And if you look in, back in Ephesians uh, 4.24, it talks about putting on the new self that's been created in the likeness of God. And I actually think, if you read Ephesians right the way through, what Paul is talking about here is using a metaphor to talk about the things he's talked about before. And this putting on the armour is actually putting on the new self. And it's about remembering who we are now in Christ. And it's this full armour of God that makes us strong in the Lord. This is our strength. Now, Paul uses a metaphor which is probably taken from Isaiah. Um, Isaiah, it talks about God um, putting on a breastplate uh, of righteousness and putting on a, hel a helmet of salvation on his head. And later in Isaiah, it talks about the Messiah putting on a belt of truth uh, around his waist. So he seems to be taking it from this, but he also seems to be taking it from what the, um, what the, how the Roman army used to dress. That's certainly how his readers would have seen it. We're to stand against the devil's schemes. And if the devil can't stop us from becoming Christians, he would do all, all he can to stop us being fruitful. And the way he schemes is through deceit. He tries to deceive us. He tries to make himself look scarier than he really is. And he also he tries to deceive us in, in, into doing things which we know are wrong and wrecking our Christian our Christian witness. He does all he can to stop us from being all that God wants us to be and all that we really are in Jesus. But notice it says we're called to stand. And if you look, stand is used, I think, four times in these, in these few verses. We're told to stand. And the idea is, is the idea of when the soldiers, they came together, the Roman soldiers, they would stand firmly together with all their shields together and they become almost impenetrable. And the only way you, you know, if they stayed like that, they were safe. But if they were fearful and ran, they had no arm, no arm to protect their back. And they, they put themselves in danger. So they had to stand strong. This is not taking ground for us. This is about standing on what Christ has already done for us. For we do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So it's not against flesh and blood that we, we struggle. It's about spiritual powers. And although those spiritual powers can use people and human institutions, and they can use, those powers can use them to come against us, we need to look behind and see that there are evil spiritual powers behind them. I don't know if you remember the story of Moses' um, 
uh, when uh, the Israelites, when they were fighting the Amalekites. And Moses went up on the hill, and all the while he kept his rod in the, the air, they triumphed, and if his arm went down, um, uh, Israel, Israel lost, and so his arm had to be kept up. And it's like a picture. There was something more happening than just, than just what could be seen physically. There was something spiritually happening as well. And it's either Elijah or Elisha, I can't remember which one, I should have written it down, um, who, um, who they were surrounded, him and his servant, they were surrounded in a town, and his servant said, look, we're going to be defeated. And he prayed that the Lord would open his servant's eyes, and he saw all the angels all around, because there was more happening than what he could see. So we don't, we don't fight against flesh and, flesh and blood, but notice that Satan is organized. Paul talks about rulers and authorities, powers, spiritual forces of evil. And if I did look at the Greek, and they do mean probably more than that, and I, and I haven't unpacked it because I don't, I don't really want to spend too much time on that. But, but um, we do need to see that Satan is a fallen angel, and he's not everywhere and doesn't know everything. He's not all-powerful. He's not like an equal to God. And I think sometimes we can have this impression that Satan is, is in, some way, in some way, has the same sort of power, you know, the sort of the opposite of God. Um, and that's, that's often a, a, a part of um, some religions, the idea of, of dualism, that there's an equal and opposite evil. That's not a Christian idea. Satan is just an ordinary angel. And I would imagine that most of us will very rarely, if ever, encounter him personally that he has his minions um, all around the, the, the world. He has his minions who, who we will encounter. We encounter those who, who, will, who will test us through temptation, through direct, um, direct assault on us personally, whether it be spiritually or physically or emotionally. Um, he has those who will come against us. Now Paul says about standing in the evil day, that we're able to stand in the evil day. And in, in Ephesians 5.16, he talks about the days being evil. So I'm wondering if he's suggesting that actually every day, in some ways, there's an evil day. There's a day when we, we are being opposed, when we need to stand firm. And then we go into the... Um, um, so, sorry, I am struggling a bit this morning. Um, um, sorry, I don't think I'm going to be up. I'm, I'm really struggling this morning. I'm, yeah. Uh, um, well, that's because you're speaking the truth. It's because I'm, yeah, and it's because I'm, yes. Thank you, thank you. Um, um, we put the, uh, yeah, the bout of truth, the truth of the gospel, but if, if you look back again, Paul talks an awful lot about the need for them to speak the truth to one another and living in truth. And I think sometimes when we look at these um, uh, uh, um, pieces of the armour of God, we can spiritualise them. And they almost become an unreal thing, you know, put on the spirit, the bout of truth. What does that actually mean? I mean, it must mean, have to do with the gospel, but it, I'm also sure from what Paul says in the rest of Ephesians, he's talking about putting on truth as, as a way of life, a way of living in truth, 
of being truthful to one another, being truthful to ourselves. Because they're the places which Satan gets in and he uses. When we're dishonest, he then gets a foothold. But when we're honest, he's exposed. So we need to put on that, that, that belt of truth. It isn't just the gospel, but it is the gospel, but it's also the way that we live. And he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. That we need that in place. That breastplate that says that we are righteous in Christ. Not because of what we've done, but because of, because of what Christ has done for us. But again, I also think there's a personal uh, application to this because I believe that that righteousness is then worked out in our lives, in righteous living, in the way that we live. And Paul says earlier on that um, to live the way that you, the, the way that you, you are in Christ, they're not exact words, but, um, but you know, you've been placed in Christ, now live like that. And again, when we're living in ways that, dis, that, that, um, are, that are against God, we leave ourselves open for Satan to attack. We, 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 we leave a hole for him to get in. So it is righteousness in Christ, but I believe it's also righteousness in our living. But when Satan comes to us, one of the things he will always try to attack is... Are you really a Christian? Especially when you've done something wrong. You can't be a Christian. And if our, our basis of our standing before God is on how well we do, then we've, we've really had it. Our standing before God, even when we've done wrong, stands on the basis of what Christ has done. And then even though we may have in some ways broken the fellowship that we had with God, not our relationship with him, but our fellowship with him, yet still we're seen as righteous before him. And it's a matter of claiming that righteousness when Satan is, is, is um, trying to tear us down. Have you noticed how when you're tempted, the first thing, you know, you think, oh, you, you, you try to avoid it, and then you end, up, you end up doing it. And the first thing Satan says, there you are, you're not really a Christian. You know, you're not really a holy one or anything like that. This is first line of, of attack. So we need to stand on the righteousness of, of Christ, but also we need to live righteous lives. And then Paul talks about the shoes, about being fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And the Romans, they, apparently they were well known for, for having good shoes, which is why they could march so well. And they protected them from treading on anything sharp, or, or they just protected their feet in battle. And the gospel of peace, um, Paul calls this, and apparently this is the only place where the gospel is called the gospel of peace. And maybe this is to do with the peace that we have with God, that he's given us as humans peace with him, but also peace that we have with one another. But the readiness of the gospel, we have the, the, the word of life, the good news, how, how um, beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news, the uh, I think it's Isaiah that says that. And we take on the shield of faith. And faith is something I think we all struggle with because, again, it's another one of those words that seems to be um, out of this world, some, something difficult to understand. It seems that way, I, I think. And I think also we, we like the idea of that we think we should feel something when we've got faith. If there's no feeling, there's no faith. 
But faith is a choice that we make. We choose to believe. We choose to believe. And sometimes when we have no feelings about something, we still choose to believe it. When your life's falling apart, when things feel as if everything's going wrong, you choose to believe that God still loves you in the middle of it, that he's still there with you. That's how you deflect the fiery darts that Satan chucks at you. Whether it be temptation, whatever it, whatever it is that he throws at you, you, you stand firm on what God has said. And that by that firmness, you, you, you can um, deflect the darts. Now, the Romans, they, they, their shield was made of wood and it was covered with leather, leather and sometimes had bits of metal on it. They didn't have a complete metal one because it had been too heavy to be able to move around with. But they would cover it with water so that when any fiery arrows were shot at them, um, they couldn't take hold and couldn't burn. And then they could be put out. And that's what our faith is like. It's a shield. But if you notice also, when you see, if you've ever seen a movie with Romans fighting, they lock their shields together. And I think I said this before, Paul is addressing this not just to individuals, but also to the church as a whole. I believe it has individual application, but it also has application for us. And that there are times, and probably all the time, where we should be locking our shields together. Because even in this, as the Romans had no protection from the back, there seems to be no protection for the back in Paul's description. It's only when we're standing firm, shoulder to shoulder, against the enemy that we, that we can advance and where we can keep him from infiltrating and, and finding inroads into our lives, into our individual lives and into the lives of the church. Because it's not just individuals that, God try, that, that Satan tries to, um, to destroy. He tries to destroy churches as well. And we need to be aware of him. And then there's a the helmet of salvation. Now we are already victorious. We don't have to, we're not fighting from down there. We're fighting from up there. We're already on the winning side. Our salvation is absolutely certain. And no matter what we're going through, we can be certain that we are saved in him, that, that we are, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's a protection for our minds. Sometimes it feels that um, things are, are so difficult and you do wonder sometimes, perhaps in your deepest moments, whether, um, whether you, you, how, how deep your faith is. But we know that all those who believe in Christ are saved. And that's a protection for our minds when Satan comes to attack us. And the only offensive weapon that there is in the whole of this is, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the, the word for word here is rhema. Now, that may mean that it's the spoken word of God, the word of God um, that uh, either through scripture or, or, or the word of God that he gives to us at the time, I pr prefer to think it's through scripture. And we see Jesus in the desert when he was tempted by Satan and how he used the word of God to counter him. And the word of God also is what brings people into the kingdom, what, which wins ground for the kingdom. And when we, was, we were looking at Acts um, uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, um, we saw on the day that, um, that they, 
the day of Pentecost, was it 3,000 that were saved? No, I don't think even when Jesus was here, he saw 3,000 people turn to him. But something changed, the Spirit came. But the Word of God went out, and with the Word and the Spirit, it, 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 it um, caused people's hearts to be changed. So the Word of God is powerful for our protection, but the Word of God is also powerful for the changing of hearts. And in verse 18, pray in the Spirit. I, should have, I shouldn't have just put it on a piece of paper. I should have put my Bible up here as well. <laughs> verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all God's people. So having stood, dressed in the armour that God has given us, dressed in, 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 uh, so that we might stand together, we're to pray in the Spirit. Now, some might think this is tongues, but it could be, but I, I think it's more likely that he's talking about under the inspiration of the Spirit. That we should be listening to what the Spirit's saying that when we're praying, and pray according to the way he shows us to pray. And he says to use all kinds of prayers and requests. Not just, not, we're to chuck everything at this. We're to use all kinds of prayers and requests. And we're to be alert. Always keep on praying for, for the Lord's people. And um, this thing about being alert, we need to be alert. And I think sometimes, I know for myself, sometimes I can be sleeping as a Christian and not looking at what's happening around me. And not necessarily looking at what's happening around me with my brothers and sisters and, and people. And we need to be alert to see what, uh, we need to be alert so that we might pray for all God's people. And at the end of this, I think it shows just the sort of person that Paul was. That he knew that what he was having to do now, he couldn't do in his own strength or even in his own prayers. Uh, that he needed them to pray that he might be fearless in making known the gospel. He, pray, he said, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And I think that that's something that says, says something to us, that those who are on the front line perhaps with, with preaching the word or, um, or missionaries or whatever else, that they need us. And I think we're, we're very good at putting people on a pedestal. And some people like being put on a pedestal and enjoy it. And the nice thing about Paul is he was never like that. He knew he needed the prayers of God's people, that he might do the work that he'd been given him. So, in conclusion, we are in a battle. This isn't a phony war, it's a real war, and there can be real casualties in it. That we need to be aware that we have an enemy, and that we need to have to be, we need to stand prepared. We need to understand who we are in Jesus, that we already have all that we need to be able to overcome all the attacks of the enemy. And we need to stand firm against the devil. And above all, we need to pray. Let's pray.
Father, sometimes it is difficult to see what's going on in the heavenly realms. But, um, it's difficult to see that you've actually placed us there already, that we're already seated with you in heavenly, in heavenly places. Because sometimes in this world, Lord, it's difficult to see past what we see around us. And it's difficult to blame things on this and on that, Lord, without recognising that perhaps some of it is the enemy, Lord. And we, we don't necessarily take our stand against him. I pray, Father, that you give us eyes that are alert, that we would have ears that will be listening, that we would be able to see those places where we need to strengthen up, Father, and that we would be able to pray for one another, that we, might, um, that we might see all the fullness of Christ in us, Lord, and that we might be a witness that's worthy of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.